Welcome to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint. Now, let's meet our hosts. Hi, everybody. I'm Dana Crawford. And I'm Wayne Jordan. In today's episode number 78 of Flip It or Skip It, we're going to be talking about vintage camping stoves. Oh, camping stoves. I love camping. When my wife and I got married, what, 39 years ago, we spent our honeymoon backpacking the long trail through Vermont. And since then, camping has been a mainstay of our family. Uh, We've, you know, taken uh, our children on camping trips and various places around the country. And at one point, Jill and I went camping across uh, the country to her home in Colorado. And I just love camping. And I've had a bunch of stoves. And uh, I've sold stoves and camping equipment at, at auctions. And they're kind of tricky. You see them all the time because it's very common when a family's children are young that they go camping. It's a popular family pastime. And everyone's got their own way of doing things, but it's not unusual to go into an estate sale and find various types of stoves and tents and sleeping bags and cots and and various equipment. Uh, Camping equipment has really improved in the past few decades. Uh, The materials are better. uh, They're lighter, stronger. Stove technology has improved. And there are particular things that you should look for if you're looking at a stove. And you have to be real careful about how they're researched. Tell me about your experience with, with stoves. Have you uh, sold them, taking them on consignment, uh, found them at flea markets or, or treasure hunts? Well, I actually have seen them at treasure hunts. And I'll be honest with you, I haven't been paying attention to them. Um, I have seen them, but after today's episode, of course, I will be watching for them. <laughs> now, I was a camper growing up. My parents, no way. Holiday Inn. Howard Johnson's, that kind of thing. But when I went into Girl Scouts, then all bets were off and we were camping every year, at least once a year. I would go camping with the Girl Scouts. And I absolutely just fell in love with camping and having an open fire and and all that kind of thing, having a grill. And then later, I th- it, was, it was my second husband. He actually had um, one of those Coleman stoves and and we had a pop-up tent nothing fancy or a pop-up camper i mean and and i remember he set it up outside and of course i didn't cook on it he cooked on it but the coleman stove was pretty cool how it all opened and it was all in my opinion all fancy where i would you know when i would catch a fish i would like it cooked on the the fire pit that was that was where I camped fire pits. But he used the Coleman stove, which was an impressive thing. But I'll tell you, I wish I would have gotten that in that divorce because they seem to sell pretty well. 
Yes, they do. Actually, I've, I've looked that up. They're they're popular. Stoves in general, camping stoves in general, uh, uh, there, there are so many. I mean, they've been made for well over 100 years in, in various styles. And uh, when Jill and I backpacked the long trail, we had a little single burner backpacking stove. It was it was an alcohol stove. It was uh, Whisper Light, I believe. Oh. And uh, it wasn't cheap even even then. It was uh, more expensive than a, a bigger Coleman stove. But it performed well. Uh, we used it in all kinds of weather. The problem with something like that is it's just one burner. Yeah. So you have to plan ahead as to what you're going to cook. And since we were up, up in the mountains at a higher altitude, it would take forever to boil water. And you just had to <laughs> adapt to wherever you were. But there are one of the first things you should look for if you're at a sale and you see camping equipment and, and stoves is you need to determine what kind of fuel the stove uses. Oh. Various kinds of fuel have been used over the years, and some are safer than others, and some are cleaner than others. When I was 11 years old, I had a paper route, and my grandmother said, whatever money you save from your paper route this year, I will double at Christmas. Nice. So I was real, boy, I was a saving fool. <laughs> And she kept her promise, and my uncle drove me down to Sunny Surplus, Army Surplus Store in Washington, D.C., and I blew all of my savings as a 12-year-old on camping equipment. <laughs> I bought lanterns and tents and cots, and of course, I never got out of my backyard, but it was <laughs> lots of fun. This gets me back to the fuel conversation. I had a lantern that I bought, mm -hmm. but... I didn't think to buy fuel for the lantern. I don't know. I guess I figured you'd switch it, just flip the switch, and it would come on. So the first time I went camping in the backyard, my father said, well, drain a little fuel uh, off the, the line in our uh, oil furnace and just use that. It'll work. And it did. I gave off a nice light in the lantern. It was it was pretty neat when you're you know 12 year old with a couple of your friends out in the tent. But we woke up the next morning, and everything on the inside was covered with soot. Oh, no. We, we spent the next two days cleaning all the equipment in the inside of the tent and so on. So the way that the fuel burns is essential, and some fuels are safer than others. For example, my little Whisper Light backpacking stove was worked on alcohol, denatured alcohol, and... It was great. It worked really well. Other stoves or cooking burners that work on denatured, denatured alcohol that listeners might be familiar with are, are Sterno. I mean, you see Sterno all the time at banquets and, and so on. It comes in a little round can and it sits, it's like a warmer. Oh. It goes on, and those are essentially uh, Sterno and you can, you can cook with them. And for, and there are circumstances where uh, campers and soldiers and so on used those sterno cans to cook their food. But these days you can get uh, propane and butane 
uh, cylinders to drive stoves. You can get mixed fuel stoves. There, there are lots of different fuels that you can use. So the first thing that I would ask, if I didn't already know by looking at it, I would ask uh, the person who's giving the sale what kind of fuel it uses. In most cases, if there's a stove, there's a can of fuel sitting somewhere. I always had some leftover uh, Coleman fuel when I had my family stove was a, one of those two burner. I started off with the the liquid Coleman fuel, which is essentially naphtha, if I recall. I used to have naphtha all the time because I had a restoration shop and it was just had cans of it. But old old fuel, like if you have a if you used white gas, Coleman white gas, and if there was a an unused can still had a little fuel in it. That would tell you what kind of fuel the stove used, but don't buy the fuel because chances are if it's been sitting in the basement for years, mm-hmm. the fuel has gone bad and you won't be able to use it, uh, but it is still probably good enough to start a fire somewhere. Huh. So let the let the person giving the sale, let the, the estate executor, get rid of it because you don't want to deal with it. But at least you would know what kind of fuel the stove uses. Okay, Dana, this is a good place to pause for a word from our sponsor. So let's do that and we will be right back. WorthPoint helps you make more money by ensuring that every sale brings the profit it should. We take the guesswork out of how much to pay and how high to price. The WorthPoint Price Guide lists over 500 million items, sold for prices, and photographs. 15 years of antiques and collectibles data. Put simply, WorthPoint helps you make more money. For a 7-day, 7-look-up free trial, go to worthpoint.com. Okay, we're back. Yours truly, Wayne Jordan and Dana Crawford, and we're talking about vintage camping stoves. Let's pick up where we left off. In later years, we graduated to a larger Coleman stove that was propane. And I've still got that stove. It's in, I have a big camping chuck box that we carry. It's got all our utensils and equipment and that sort of thing that we keep together. Uh, I've still got that stove in my chuck box in the closet. And it's still got good propane in it. And there have been times, not, not where I'm living now, but in past places when there was, uh, in, in Annapolis, once there was a, a bad hurricane blew through and power went out for days. And we used the, the stove to, to cook on. But I really like cooking on those little two-burner Coleman stoves because you can adjust the heat. And the quality of the food that you're cooking is directly related to the amount of heat in the pan. So I've never been good at cooking over an open fire because I like cast iron, and cast iron gets really hot, and you have to keep moving it on and off the fire. And yep. it's just harder to do, but you, you, having been a Girl Scout, you know that. <sighs> so anyway, that's that's issue number one, is the fuel. Take a good look at, at the overall condition. Is it, is it dirty? Is it greasy? Is it got char marks on it? Uh, does it appear to be poorly maintained, or do the parts move knobs and bolts, that sort of thing, do they move freely? Most of those things can be fixed and cleaned up, and you can take an old beat-up stove and get it looking pretty good, but only do that if you're really in love with it and you're going to collect it uh, or use it. I wouldn't spend any time 
redoing a stove that I'm going to sell. Okay. You never get enough money to cover the time you've got in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting the different sizes and shapes of the stoves. Like, just for fun, I suggest going to eBay and just put in camping stove and then um, do, you know, highest price first, sold. And it's really interesting to look at the different styles. Some are shaped like drums and some are shaped, you know, square. Um, there are different, some have sides to them to make, protect them from the wind, you know, those kind of things. And I would suggest to go educate yourself just like I did and learn about the different look of these stoves so that you'll recognize them because Going even to a yard sale, I can picture this type of item being on the ground under a table where, you know, they don't put it out on display because it looks like they're not sure even what it is or what to do with it, or they're not even sure if anybody's going to want it. So they're going to put it under a table. But I think that this would be a, a home run to find one of these. Right. Well, it would be, especially if it's a, a Swedish stove or one one of the stoves that are, are hard to find, one of the vintage stoves that are hard to find, foreign-made ones and, and so on, uh, they bring top dollar. More common American stoves like Coleman don't bring high dollars. They're good functional stoves. The Swedish. Them, right. The Swedish, just like Ikea. <laughs> the Swedish... <laughs> The Swedish stoves are pretty good sellers. Well, yeah, they're very well made. I, when I was in Norway, the one thing that impressed me more than anything else was the number of outfitting retail stores that there were. I mean, there could be two in every block. Yeah. But uh, the Swedes and Norwegians are fanatical about winter sports and mountain climbing and they're really particular about their equipment. Mm-hmm. So some of their, their stoves and their uh, camping equipment are just first rate. Uh, over here, they're fairly expensive. Coleman is, is nice. It's standard stuff. It works well. It'll be serviceable for years. But it just doesn't bring the, the high price that some of the uh, Scandinavian stoves bring. Yeah, I can see um, it being an adventure for sure, treasure hunting for these. And it's just another thing for our listeners to add to their list of developing an eye for what to buy and sell to flip. And I think that this is another fantastic addition. Oh, I agree. I agree. Well, when you're talking about the burners, um, the new place that I moved into actually has a gas stove. And I've never had a gas stove before. And so it took me, um, I don't know, three months before I actually turned it on and tried to use it. But because I have a air fryer that I'm in love with. <laughs> right, right. Excuse me. But I've scrambled eggs. And so I, I can scramble eggs. And I, I am impressed, I will admit, with the the way that it heats up and it seems more even, as you say. Well, I always enjoyed cooking on a camping stove. In fact, when we're out camping, I'm usually the one who does the cooking. Jill's a better cook than I am, but I just won't let her because I 
because <laughs> I have fun doing it. It's amazing how you can uh, take a single burner backpacking stove and put some water in it and pour a bag of dry soup into it and actually come up with something edible. So. <laughs> now, I like the fire. I mean, that's why I like camping with cooking on an open fire. It's just, right. that's what I love. I love playing in the fire. I can understand how the camping stoves, they, they make a difference. Now, I'm wondering, is it possible to have a camping stove that has the the burner like an electric stove? Or are they all flames? That you're talking about a hot plate. Oh, okay. Okay. Could be. But you'd have to be at a an established campground that had utilities, water and electric and Okay. So those plug in. Okay, got it. Got it. Um, so yeah, you could you could do that. Otherwise, I guess maybe you could fix up uh, you know, hook your exercycle to a uh to a generator and <laughs> create your own electricity, but uh no, for for backpacking, of course, they're they're, they're all going to be fuel. And and one other thing I want to mention before we get off of the the subject of fuel is that these things can fuel can be very dangerous. Yes. Even old fuel, it can blow up. Uh, it can Yikes. start uh, start a fire. And if you're working with an old stove, if it doesn't work, then you can learn how to clean them on YouTube. Uh, they have some good videos on how to clean the, the jets and adjust the knobs and and get it looking spiffy. But if you don't know anything about it, don't force the issue. If you need to sell it as is for parts, sell it as is for parts. But don't risk trying to start a stove that has a lot of fuel in it. It could blow up on you and start okay. a fire. Don't do it in your house. Don't do it in your garage. Yeah. Don't do it on your porch. Do it out in the middle of the of the yard. And if I'm messing with a stove like that, I always wear Goggles. safety glasses. Because I had something blow up on me once mm. and had to go to the emergency room. Oh, no. And, yeah, the only thing that kept me from my damage was safety goggles. Oh, so wow. Good. I, I've, <clears throat> I've made the mistake. Uh, don't you make it. Yeah, good tip, Wayne. Okay, Dana, I'm looking at my Coleman camping clock on the wall, and it's telling me that it's it's time to clean my stove and cook some dinner. <laughs> there you go. So I'm going to do that, and as well as end this episode. So uh, it's been great. I had a lot of fun. With, I love this topic. I yes. Camping, and yes. the last week we talked about fishing. It's the kind of thing I... I love. I'm a city boy. I grew up with an appreciation for getting out of the city. Mm. It's been real. I'll see you again next week. Hey, happy trails. Right. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint.com, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint.com.